Are your knees hurting when you sit down or get out of a chair? Or when you go up and down the stairs and you're thinking, holy smokes, my knees are killing me. What the heck is going on? This is what we're talking about in this episode today. Hi, I'm Heike Yates, and I'm super excited that you're here with me on the Pursue Your Spark podcast and listening to our guest today and other episodes. You could be anywhere else on podcast land, but I appreciate that you're here with me getting more information about your health, your fitness, and your wellness as an empty nester mom going forward in a vibrant second half of life. And before we dive in to osteoarthritis, if you want to get stronger, healthier, and take back your health, now that the kids are gone, the empty nest reboot is your ticket. This is where we talk everything Pilates, fitness, especially for a woman over 50, and how important it is to change your habits, to adapt healthy habits, and implement intermittent fasting with your Pilates strategies to help you lean out, lose body fat, and move forward in a healthy way. So with that, my friends, let's dive into today's interview. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited for today's guest because She's talking about things that all of us over 50 are talking about. So our guest today is Dr. Alyssa Kuhn. She's a physical therapist and an osteoarthritis specialist. She's based in Sandy, Utah, and loves playing in the mountains. She founded Keep the Adventure Alive to break through the doom and gloom of osteoarthritis and bring a motivating perspective with the possibility of adventure, which I love, of course. Alyssa helps people all across the world find pain relief, pain relief, regain confidence, and lead a very active life. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Active life is written all over me as I'm a triathlete and many of my friends are very active. And when I saw your Instagram account, I was immediately attracted to how educational 
and uh, fun your posts and your reels are. And I thought, man, I got to follow this woman. She knows what she's talking about. And she is so personable and people understand her. And that's the one thing that through kind of my physical therapy career is that, you know, it's all about connection and making things relatable to people. Because I mean, people go into doctor's appointments all the time and, you know, they're told certain things and it may not register. They may not know where to start, or they may just be feeling very overwhelmed or frustrated with the condition. And there's not necessarily a connection there, which then can really start to impact treatments and how you go about just the diet and how you even feel about the diagnosis. So there's so much negativity around osteoarthritis, around arthritis and joint pain, especially as we get older, that that is what I'm trying to do is kind of push through all of that to bring hope and optimism to people with this condition. Cause it's one of the most common conditions, but there's a lot of negativity out there. Now, before we dive into what does playing in the mountains mean to you? <laughs> so we moved out here to Utah about two years ago from the Midwest where everything is flat. And, um, since then we've done so much hiking because hiking wasn't something I did regularly. Um, we've done a lot of road biking and then also skiing. We've spent a lot of time skiing because we're about, we're pretty close to the ski resorts here and I actually just switched to snow or switched from snowboarding when we moved here. So it's been amazing. Just all four seasons, you can do lots of different things in the mountains. Yeah, I love Utah. I went skiing there once before. So very awesome. It is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, so with that said, you know, skiing is hard on your knees and let, I want to know, how did you get interested in specifically working with people with arthritis? How did you get into the field? Start wherever you want. Okay. So I graduated from PT school and in PT school, I had an opportunity to go to an independent living facility and lead a kind of a, uh, I guess, non-traditional group exercise class where I had just recently gotten my CrossFit level one. And I mean, these people were probably average age of like 80, um, but it was independent living so they could walk and things. And um, I was able to kind of lead this CrossFit style modified functional fitness class. And these people, I had to like stop some people from running and it was that we were jumping and doing all kinds of things. And then once I graduated, I started in home care. So I went to see people in their homes after total knee and hip replacements. And it was kind of the opposite. So I was seeing people in their 50s and their 60s that were either had osteoarthritis or were post-op from a joint replacement. But it was so different, the function of some of these people. And the fact that osteoarthritis had completely ruined their lives. Some people had moved out of their two-story home into a one-story home because of fear of stairs. And some people got joint replacements because they really thought that nothing else would work and had never even tried exercise or had never even tried some of the other lifestyle modifications that research is showing helps. So it was a very eye-opening because I got to kind of see both sides of it. Like, okay, number one, just because you're older doesn't mean you have to sit down and, you know, walk and that's it, that you can actually do things. And I mean, you might not want to run or jump, but that has requires muscular power, which makes like getting up and down from a chair and things a lot easier. 
And then I got to the point where, you know, one person that I saw, she was in her sixties and ended up going through seven total joint replacement and revisions on one knee. And it had completely changed her life in a negative light. Now, obviously not all surgeries are going to end up like this, but a lot of people had no idea the recovery had no idea that there were other options. And when you start looking online, surgery is kind of one of the big things that you just keep seeing over and over again. And so when I moved here, I actually started seeing quite, I just was attracting people that had knee osteoarthritis and it kind of changed the whole um, perspective or the whole track of my business, because then I started getting great responses from people who were like, looking for hope and looking for a positive outlook on osteoarthritis and then just kind of ran with it. Yeah. You know, you made a good point about the comparison of the one group with the same condition is active or as active as possible where the others are just hopeless and sit there and, and, and don't want to move the example with the house. I mean, I'm 61, so I do have arthritis and uh, we moved into our one-story house for for that reason, that as we hopefully age in our house, that we can avoid as many stairs as possible. But I have to be honest, I sometimes miss walking stairs because I used to work live in a townhouse. Yeah. And I was like, I need the stairs. Okay, let's go down to the laundry for the 20th time just to get <laughs> some stairs in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And stairs can actually be a great exercise and can be a great way for single leg strength and things like that. But if your joints are ready for it and prepared, I know you do lots and are always posting lots of strength training and exercises and things. Um, and so it's definitely if your joints are prepared, because if they're not, and you have a lot of pain, it can make your life very, very limiting if you're not able to access parts of your home and things like that. So what is it when, uh, what is osteoarthritis? And not because sometimes I think that as we're in the business of health and fitness, we assume that people know what that is or the big looming words like, oh, my God, I'm 60. I have osteoarthritis. Oh, my God. What is osteoarthritis? So it's kind of the it's a type of arthritis and a lot of times it gets kind of clumped under the umbrella term of arthritis. So a lot of times if people say, you know, I have knee arthritis, most of the time they're talking about osteoarthritis, but there are other types of arthritis. So there's rheumatoid arthritis that has some other symptoms and it's more of an autoimmune condition. Um, and then there's like psoriatic arthritis. So but osteoarthritis is one of the ones that is typically referred to. And it's kind of characterized by three main symptoms. And it's hard because you can't just go to your doctor, do a test and say, oh, you have osteoarthritis. It's kind of a combination of a couple of different symptoms, looking at your x-ray or MRI, and then kind of making a decision based upon that. Um, some of the main symptoms of osteoarthritis are morning stiffness that resolves in about 10 to 30 minutes of after movement. So after you get up and move around, usually it tends to dissipate. Um, stiffness after sitting or standing for a longer period of time, just being in one position. Um, joint pain can be a characteristic. Joint instability, so kind of feeling like your joint's going to give out or you're just not confident standing on one leg. And then there's also swelling that can happen as well. So if you notice knee swelling, um, primarily in the knee. Um, but the thing of it is, is 
it's not necessarily all of these symptoms. You may only have a couple. You may have all of them. You may have some intermittently. You may have some flare-ups. But those are kind of the more hallmark symptoms of osteoarthritis. And like I said, it's also dependent on, they also use imaging. A lot of times it's x-ray or MRI to look at the space between your joints, the cartilage health, those types of things as well. And they take that into consideration with making an osteoarthritis diagnosis. What does osteo mean? Bone. Just bone. Mm-hmm. Bone. The arthritis and, and in the, the bone. Just to so break the, down this complicated word. Yes, yes, that's a good question. I haven't really been asked that. So, um, but so osteo means bone. And then the itis kind of means that swelling, inflammation. And I believe that the arth part uh, refers to joint because you have like arthralgia, which is like joint pain and, you know, things like that. So that is the, that's the term osteoarthritis. Oh, that's it. Thank you very much. I'm sure a lot of people don't know because there's all these complicated words that and they're that are, rarely ever explained, like and, in a, a doctor's office or anything like that. Yeah, it's oftentimes you just go to the doctor's office and then they do an x-ray and then they go, oh, yeah, you got arthritis. Mm, yeah, you're already this old. Like, oh, maybe you should stop running. Oh, and exactly. they're like very, very general. And they're, it's like to me, it's always feels like they're just wait for you to get bad enough so they can operate on you, honestly. I had somebody recently, I was on the phone with someone and she basically said that, that she was told that come back to me when you just can't stand it anymore. And I, it's not necessarily like the fault of the doctors, like not all doctors are bad and they're probably not out to, you know, do a ton of surgeries or to, you know, hope that you're in a lot of pain. Like, I feel like a lot of times the intent is not nefarious, but I just think it's kind of the words that are used that maybe they don't necessarily realize what they're saying and what like certain words can have an impact on someone Um, or also just they don't have a lot of time. So it's like, we got to hurry up. We only have a couple minutes. I don't have time to necessarily explain what this is or, and they also have to know a lot about so many different conditions that they likely may not be totally up to date on the research and things like that, which is why sometimes like a rheumatologist may be able to help give a little bit more specific guidance. And even the same thing with all healthcare professionals, that's why I've kind of specialized in osteoarthritis. And if somebody has, you know, maybe another condition, they may be better off going to see someone else. So it's kind of looking for that specialty when you are looking for a doctor, because I feel like a lot of times people have a hard time finding someone that, you know, can understand and can give them more direction besides just the general, just lose weight and, you know, take these medications and then just try to suffer through it until you're ready for a surgery when who's ever ready for a surgery. So (laughs) that's kind of the tangent on that. I feel like a lot of times we kind of put the fault on the doctors when it's it, it starts there, but it's also, they have a lot going on too. And so it's knowing how to advocate for yourself, like knowing what questions to ask, knowing to ask for a referral to physical therapy or referral for exercise or something like that. That's what I think is so important about the education piece. And that's what kind of social media is brought to light is just helping people kind of understand what to ask mm-hmm. so that they have a better experience at the doctor's office. Yeah, I always tell 
my clients, when they have something that I can't help them with, I'm like, go ask Dr. Google first. Yeah. Write down those questions that you have after you talk to Dr. Google and then talk to your doctor about those questions because you started to educate yourself a little bit about the condition that you have and the side effects. And like you said, not everybody's affected differently. And so that way you are not dumbfounded when you get there and think that they know everything. And I agree with that statement, Alyssa, that you just can't know everything. We don't know everything. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and it's great to have a, a pool of professionals like you to help us along the way and get us in other spaces that we need to be. But is everyone equally affected by osteoarthritis? As far as like once you hit a certain age, like, are you going to get osteoarthritis? Yep. Is it more men or women? Is it more heavier people, skinnier people, uh, people, which is definitely one of my questions. Is there a connection between running and high impact exercises in relationship to osteoarthritis? So for um, (laughs) the first part, are you guaranteed to have osteoarthritis? And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people think that answer is yes. Yep. And it's really not. Um, now it does affect a large portion of the population. And just because you have, you know, knee pain one day doesn't particularly mean it's arthritis. You have to have consistency in symptoms. And just because your knee is stiff, maybe because you were sitting weird, doesn't particularly mean you have osteoarthritis either. It's like I said, a combination of those symptoms and then also visually looking on your x-ray. It is more common in women, and I can't particularly find much research on as to why. There is some connection with menopause and some fluctuating hormones um, that I've kind of seen some surface level things on. So it is commonly or more commonly impacted in women. And one of the interesting things is through these research studies is are women more likely to report symptoms? Are women more likely to seek out help versus males? So it's kind of interesting, um, but most of them most of the studies do point to it's more common in women. Um, It's more common as you get older, just because you're starting to accumulate more inflammation. You're starting to just get a little bit of joint breakdown just from this wear and tear phenomenon. Um, But the bigger picture is that you're just starting to accumulate more of this inflammation. That if we're not necessarily taking some of the steps to avoid that or lessen some of this low-grade inflammation, then you just continue to accumulate it and it can start to irritate your joint. But I do want to normalize the fact that if you are under 50 and have been diagnosed with osteoarthritis, that it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you're going to be hunched over and feeling like you're 90 at age 30 or 40. Cause I have a lot of people who come to me. And so if somebody's listening and maybe has a son or daughter or something that's been diagnosed, that it's not an old person's condition. And that things, as we learn more about the condition, people are being diagnosed early. And what's the good news about this is since there is more information coming out, then there are things we can do. We know more about some of the treatments. We know more about how to prevent some of the progression. But I have a lot of people who are very, very scared at 20 and 30 that have been told they have osteoarthritis. Yeah, thank you for saying, you know, it's not just an old people's disease. 
And it's honestly that a lot of, it's just society has kind of made us think that way. And I mean, you Google osteoarthritis and the first couple of pictures are, you know, someone that's 80, someone that's 90 and showing their hands and showing that they're sitting in a wheelchair. And and that's just the picture that we see Mm -hmm. now touching on the high impact things. I have a lot of people who are like, I just moved too much when I was younger. I did X, Y, Z. I played this sport and that sport. So my, this is why I have arthritis. Now, there are some predisposing things like um, if we don't have like an adequate strength program when you're doing cross country or in a lot of times like high school and things don't do a fabulous job of that. Um, But genetics plays a part. So you have these you have these things that but a lot of people try to just demonize movement. I moved too much when I was younger. And honestly, sometimes it's the opposite that we don't move enough or that we don't do enough of the right movement getting variety and things like that, because it's actually been shown that running does not increase osteoarthritis, but you have to have the right strength and the right power and the right mechanics in order for running to feel good. They have done lots of different studies on running because it's really demonized um, in the arthritis world, Um, but it can actually be helpful that it doesn't particularly progress anything as long as you are prepared and strong enough to do it. I actually get a lot of people with um, knee osteoarthritis in particular back to high impact stuff. So jumping and running and making these things possible again. And if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't really need to jump, but if you can jump and if you can tolerate it, then it can open doors to all sorts of different things. Sitting in a low chair, well, if you have the power, you can stand up. Stairs is another one. A lot of people have problems with stairs. If you have the power to be able to jump, then those things become a lot easier. Because a lot of times when people have osteoarthritis, they're told, slow down, you know, be careful. People walk around like their joints are made of glass and they don't really move very quickly. And so that's why some of those tasks like stairs and getting up from low chairs, bathtubs get really hard because you need to be able to generate strength more quickly to be able to do these things. Now, of course, we're not just going right into jumping, going right into that, there is a progression to be able to get there. So if you're listening and have osteoarthritis, please don't go jump right now. Um, there is a step-by-step process on how to get there. But like Alyssa, Alyssa jumping and like, oh yeah, I'm listening to the podcast. Let me do that. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> you may hurt yourself. But it's like you said, there's a, there's a, um, a protocol to get back to that strength that may have, in my opinion, also contributed more to that arthritic condition. And I'm a long distance runner. I'm an Ironman. So I've been a lot, uh, I put a lot of miles on my body. And when I said, oh, I have arthritis on my knees are swollen. Usually my clients say, oh, it's all this running you were doing. You used to be a bodybuilder, all this heavy pressing the weights. And I was like, well, you know, I'm 61 too. It's it just probably runs in my family too. Cause my mom has crappy knees, like you said, with a DNA. Sure. And, uh, but I am, uh, that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show, but I'm not defeated by arthritis. So what are some of the big myths before we get into like more of what you have to share about how, what we can do about it is what are some of the big myths or misinformations? And you already touched a little bit on it that hold us back from moving. Yes. 
So honestly, the biggest thing that I find with people and osteoarthritis is just the feeling of discouraged. They're feeling discouraged. And a lot of that stems from the myths. Um, one of them being wear and tear. It does to a certain degree have an impact on your joint symptoms. So for example, like if you are only walking or maybe have done just a high volume of walking or running or whatever it may be, and your joints weren't exactly prepared. A lot of times this is like manual work. Like if you do a lot of manual lifting and things and develop spine osteoarthritis or something like that, a lot of times that can be that repetition, but your body wasn't really prepared for it. A lot of times, like if a manual worker isn't particularly, um, well, I would hope the hope that they would do that, but a lot of times it's not, they're not training for their job. They're not, you know, doing strength training to help make their job easier. So repetition does have an impact, but the thing that I don't like about the wear and tear, a lot of people are told this, you know, oh, it's just from the wear and tear on your joints. What this insinuates is you had something, now something is gone and there's nothing you can do about it. And a lot of times it's described as cartilage, um, oh, I don't have any cartilage, so therefore I can't regrow it. Let's do surgery or let's start exploring these other options. When in reality, and there's been a lot of research coming out recently about, this is when the term inflammation kind of came in because osteoarthritis is caused by a combination of factors. Like you had mentioned genetics. A lot of people look at genetics and say, you know, my mom had bad knees, my knees are going to be bad and there's nothing I can do about it. When there is also some things that do contribute to the irritation. Yes, genetics plays a part. You may have a predisposition, but you can control your symptoms. You can control how they impact your life by controlling some other lifestyle factors that are tied to inflammation. So this is when um, movement can play a big part. This is when food and the whole anti-inflammatory diet kind of came in. Certain foods can impact how your joints feel. The more adipose tissue that you have, so the more fat tissue you have, the higher level of inflammation that you have in your bloodstream, which is why losing weight can be helpful, not only in the sense of relieving pain from the joint itself mechanically, but also reducing that inflammation. So there are a lot of factors that go into the treatment and kind of preventing the progression of osteoarthritis that you can control. You don't particularly, surgery is not inevitable because you have osteoarthritis, but if you're just kind of told this wear and tear mentality, like, oh, great, I have no cartilage, then that's, that's it. I need a new knee or a new hip or whatever it may be. Also, the fact that you only have to do low impact exercise, I get a lot of people, especially kind of in the younger demographic that say, you know, I, I love doing CrossFit. I love doing Orange Theory, all of these kind of um, fitness trends that have become much more common. And I all of a sudden go into my doctor and I'm told I can never do any of that again that I just need to walk. I have a lot of people who are into powerlifting. I have a lot of people who are into um, running and it can be really, really discouraging to hear that. A lot of people that have kids and are like, I wanna be able to you know, run with my kids or whatever it may be, that it is not solely just low impact exercise that you need to do. 
that you cannot do any high impact exercise. Again, you have to work hard to prepare your joints for it. But like I said, people have gotten back to running. People have gotten back to hiking and even skiing and all these activities. But the common denominator of they took action that if you just kind of sit around and just kind of feel bad for yourself. And that's why I mentioned that it kind of stems from the doctor, because if you're told that, then you may not be seeking out other treatment options, or you may not be seeking out like how to make this possible. So that is another big one. I mean, a lot of, again, people are discouraged. You're discouraged by hearing wear and tear. You're discouraged by hearing low impact. And a lot of times doctors and other healthcare professionals may not understand or may not be able to kind of see or empathize with the fact of how powerful these statements are. And so that's, those are kind of the two big ones there. Of course, there are many others, but it's the fact that, and you also, one I just want to briefly mention is losing weight's the only answer. A lot of people are told just lose weight. You can find osteoarthritis relief without losing 50 or a hundred pounds that you can start to find relief slowly. Of course, weight loss is going to help, but it's not the sole option. A lot of people spin their wheels and get stuck because I can't lose 50 pounds. So I'm not going to be able to find relief. There are ways to find relief that I've had many overweight patients who have been able to find relief. And it's just the fact of, again, that common denominator of doing something about it. Yeah. You made a good point about um, somebody who is moving furniture for a living, their needs are very different than if somebody sits on a desk all day exactly. having arthritis. And I always think we just recently got um, some cheers delivered and these guys were big guys and they usually wear a belt, which always drives me crazy. I'm like, you need to strengthen your core. Don't wear the belt. But if they lift every day for hours, heavy mm-hmm. furniture around or whatever it may be, there's very they're limited in what they can do. And I'm sure they're thinking too, you know what, who needs strength training? I'm lifting heavy stuff all day. Exactly. Exactly. And that's when form plays a big role that even if you have a job that you have to lift or move things that it's totally possible and totally doable. Our bodies are meant to move. It's just the fact of having proper form, like you had mentioned, because, and the less muscle support that you have, then the more stress that your joints are going to take. So that's kind of where we see some of that manual labor or something very, as someone that's very active at work, um, even walking is one of the things that if you do a lot of walking, but don't get much other variety in your movement, that can also lead to some um, knee swelling, knee pain, hip pain, all that sort of thing. So when we're looking at at the condition as a whole, uh, take me through an example of of one of your clients that comes in with osteoarthritis that's not necessarily schlepping furniture, and it's not necessarily 100 years old, somewhere in our age demographics, that comes in and says, man, I'm active. I got arthritis now. And my knees are, used to knees are the most that I hear complaints about. How about you? Yes. And I I get some hips too. um, But knee osteoarthritis is the most common um, just because our knees are so, play such an integral role, weight bearing and things like that. So give us an example of, of a client that you can think of that says, here I am, Alyssa, fix me. Yes. So I actually had 
a client um, who was, and she was actually here in Utah, who was um, big into hiking, big into backpacking, and just a recreational runner. She wasn't running too often, but really liked as part of the stress relief and things like that. She started to notice knee pain. And this knee pain, of course, as we kind of go through, um, we tend to kind of ignore it first, like, oh, you know, I maybe just did something. I hope it goes away, but it didn't go away. It kept persisting and it started to impact her sleep. And she was even having a hard time going up and down just a few um, stairs to her home and just kind of walking around her home. She just didn't feel great. So she went to the doctor, got an x-ray um, diagnosed with knee osteoarthritis. And she was in, I think, late 40s which was like, oh my goodness, again, kind of this older person condition stereotype that, wow, I have this right now, what can I do? And she actually described it as a feeling like a stab to the heart because she saw in her future that I can't hike anymore. I can't backpack anymore. I'm not going to be able to camp or do all these things that you can do in Utah. And so we met <clears throat> and first it's just kind of figuring out what is aggravating your joints, what is making them mad? I always kind of use this reference because it's kind of easy to conceptualize. There are things that are making your joint mad, whether it's how you're moving, how often you're moving, all kinds of things playing to it. What foods you're eating, how you're sleeping. Again, it's a lot of different things at once, which can be overwhelming because you're like, okay, well, where do I start? But so we started with the movement piece. We also talked a lot about what's okay. Like the appropriate pain levels, this type of pain is okay. This type of pain is your joint saying, hi, you need to change something. This, I do not like this. Whereas kind of the lower levels of pain, like, Hey, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not sure about this, but we're going to give it a try. So we talk through some of these things because it's not all just about movement. It's not all just about, you know, finding these pain relieving tactics. First, you have to understand why they work. If I give someone an exercise and if she had no idea, if she thought that exercise made things worse and we automatically just went to exercise, likely she probably would not adhere to that. She would not be very motivated to try because of that hesitancy. And that's what I find a lot of times is missing that kind of first education piece. Like this is why exercise works. This is why certain foods work. This is why weight loss works, et cetera, et cetera. We do a lot about, we do a lot with that. And then we moved into some movements. I always try at the first couple of sessions or in the first um, part of a program that I have, finding movements that make you feel good. Because the second you can get someone with osteoarthritis to say, wow, I can actually do this. I can actually move and not flare up my pain. That is when the door swings open. Instead, if we had started with squats and they hurt, we had started with, you know, lunges and they hurt. We had started with all this, then that door is just cementing shut. So it's kind of finding, and there is definitely a art, an art of finding the right movements, starting out with the right things that then can swing that door open. We moved into some weight training. We actually moved into some jumping, some running short distance, and the thing of it is, is this is not particularly like a three-week process. As much as I would love it to be, I do want everyone to understand that this is like three to six months of consistency. This is continued consistency, essentially for the rest of your life, 
But if it makes you feel good, that can be really motivating. And so you're not dreading this certain program or these certain movements. So we kind of move through that progression. We master the body weight things. We add some weight to it, different movements. And then we start to add in some higher impact, some speed work, and then start to move into some things like she wanted to get back to running. So we worked on that, but it's also kind of more sports specific, whether it's tennis or something like that. But that's kind of the progression of first understanding why these things work and why your pain is happening. And then moving through some of these pain relieving tactics and then making it consistent. That's kind of the three, the three step process that we usually go through. Yeah. I like the idea of, I'm a big believer in cross training and especially for you being a triathlete. (laughs) When, and that's actually why I started triathlon because my knees after being an ultra runner, uh, just my knees were getting tired all the time. I can and imagine, I said, yeah. you know, I, I need to offset with a little bit of biking, a little bit of swimming. And, and uh, it makes such a difference when you do different things. And when clients yes. come to me for Pilates, they're like, oh, I could do Pilates every day. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> First off, you'll be bored. Second off, you're doing the same movements after a while over and over because there's only 500 movements, general number. But at some point, you'll do the same thing over and over. You need to do something different. You need to do weights. You need to do body weight like you suggested. Sure. And and different core exercises other than what's in the Pilates repertoire. But so the cross-training aspect is very appealing to me from all the things that you're saying to help with balance, as you mentioned, help with the strength around the joint, Um, thinking of how you can stabilize the knee the best. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I also find um, that a lot of people are led to believe that like walking is the only exercise to do, or that it's the only safe thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we live our lives in a forward direction. Anywhere you go, we're likely moving forwards. And then you add walking as exercise on top of that, you may get quite a bit of repetition moving forwards, but there are muscles that control sideways. There are muscles that control backwards. And I talk about variety a lot just because it's so simple to add into your day. And it makes a lot of sense just because if you're moving in the same direction over and over and over again, you're going to irritate certain parts of the joint, certain muscles, which then can lead to more pain, more stiffness. But if we start to incorporate other muscles, and this is especially important with hip arthritis, um, because your hip has the front, the side, and the back. But if we're only moving in that forward direction, the front gets a lot of work, but the side and back, not so much. So even just simply moving sideways and moving backwards, being careful at first, because it can feel kind of weird, but stepping backwards, moving in these different directions can help to kind of alleviate some of that pain. And it's kind of amazing how just that simple thing alone can give people the confidence to say, oh, wow, you know, walking forwards doesn't feel great, but walking backwards does again, starting to kind of swing that door open to, okay, maybe I can actually do something about this. Um, So those are kind of two simple things that if you like to walk, or if you like to kind of do one cycling, one monostructural activity over and over and over again, adding in that variety is absolutely key. And Pilates has a ton of variety in it. Trying different things can be so helpful. Yep. I love that. Cause it's, I always call it one dimensional. Cause I mean, triathlon is one dimensional. You swim yeah. forward, you bike forward, you run exactly. forward. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. And, uh, 
uh, I love it when, when you do those side movements and people go, oh my God, I'm so weak. I can't stand on one leg. Exactly. Even if you, like I do it every once in a while too. And it's like your hips kind of start to get tired even after just a little while. And so it can be pretty eye-opening to try it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a great variety of movements. And I think that many people that are listening to this episode will see, oh, you know what? First, I need a good diagnosis. What do I have? Then I need a good team that doesn't scare me away from being active. Yes. And Absolutely. third, I need to work with somebody that I trust. And that makes a big part. Like I said, I always tell people that, you know, don't just use the first opinion, whether it's a doctor, a surgeon, a physical therapist, a personal trainer, whatever it is, if you're not vibing with them or you don't feel that they listen or you don't feel respected or they're not understanding what you're looking for, then there are so many professionals. And like I said, some specialize in certain things and some don't particularly have a ton of knowledge in certain conditions, which is understandable, but find someone who does. There are so many people out there. I know it can be a little hard, but find these questions and start there. Now the diagnosis is helpful just to kind of rule out some other things, but a lot of times it's that conservative management. Give it a try first. Before you meet with a surgeon, even if you're told you walk in there and you have bone on bone arthritis, a lot of times you're sent directly to the surgeon. Try conservative management consistently. So give it a few weeks. It's not going to be like a couple of days and you're going to notice a huge difference, but give it a consistent try for like three months. Be honest with yourself with consistency, because that's another part. If you work out maybe, or if you exercise or move once a week or kind of uh, more consciously once a week, you're likely not going to see results. So we have to be honest with ourselves. We tend to overestimate the amount we move, but being conscious about it and, you know, not just necessarily going out for a walk it's walking is okay, but adding in that variety, doing things that are going to help you. And then you may actually be surprised at how much of a difference it can make, but we have to try conservative management first. Research is pointing to at least try it, not going to work for everyone. And that's fine, but you'll feel much more confident about your decision for surgery as well versus going into it. Like I am backed into a corner. I don't really know what else to do this surgery, I guess is what I'm going to do. And a lot of people are out there trying to avoid it, which is understandable. So there are options. And that's kind of one of the biggest things that I want people to know is that there are options. This was really amazing. And I think you, you touched on a lot of things today that I get questions about, or I heard people ask me and uh, what do I do? And I want to stay active. So this was brilliant. So thank you for sharing all your knowledge about osteoarthritis. Absolutely. So, and I hope it helps someone out there. <laughs> I know, you know, some people will like, and, and I always find that they don't know enough about things. They, oh, totally. as in our listeners, we, there's so much stuff out there and they're really not sure what's the next best thing. Sure. Or where do I go from here? Or, oh, I did not know that, that I actually can get my butt ski moving and do more than just walk when I have osteoarthritis. Exactly. So these are awesome tips. So Alyssa, how can people connect with you? Where are you? Where can they find you on social media? 
I'm everywhere. <laughs> so if you're on a social media platform, I likely have an account there. Um, I would say probably Instagram would be the best. So if you just search Adventure Alive, I also have a YouTube channel that people can find a lot of information. If you just search my name, Dr. Alyssa Kewen, you search Arthritis Adventure, I will come up. Um, and then I have TikTok, I have all sorts of things, but Instagram and um, YouTube are probably two of the best. And then keeptheadventurealive.com is just my website. Thank you so much. I really appreciate sharing all your knowledge and having you here on the show and not just on Instagram. I always feel like when I interview guests, they become my friends. Exactly. This is great. Exactly. No, I love it. I love it. And I want to encourage the listeners of this episode, whenever you listen to it, number one, share it with somebody that you know has osteoarthritis, who doesn't know diddly squat about it or has preconceived notions about it. And the other thing I always encourage you guys to do is reach out to us. You have the handles in the link in the show notes. So no problem. You don't have to pull over and write something down or say, oh my God, what was that again? It's all in the show notes when the episode airs. You can reach out to Alyssa, but also reach out to us on social media and say, hey, this was an amazing episode. Or I have a question about this. How do I do that? Or if you want to work with Alyssa, you can find her on her website. Um, I'm sure she's not only in Utah, but she's all over the world with her clients, helping them deal with osteoarthritis and live more active lives. So reach out to us because this is not just a one-way street where she and I talk and you go, oh, that was great. I listened to that. <laughs> no, we want you involved in our conversation. So with that, my friends, we're out of here. And thank you so much for joining us again on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Until next time. Ciao. Thank you. Thank you.